y'all. Hey, what's going on out there? How y'all doing today? Welcome to Let's Talk Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talking House. That's right. I'm here. Hope you're here. You're here too. So, hey, everybody here. Thank you for joining us today on the show. We got some interesting things to talk about. Y'all know the president gave a little speech last night. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, black pastors met with Donald Trump last week. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And let's see, what else? Black, oh, why being black and, uh, why being black and empowered really doesn't matter. <laughs> so it should be an interesting one as well. And um, those are some of the things we'll be talking about, plus whatever else you want to talk about. Um, before we get started, I want to spend in a special shout-out to my nephew, Mr. James Ross, whose first jazz album, Introducing Jason has been nominated for a Grammy. So way to go, nephew. Keep it going. Keep it going. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's always a good thing. Always a good thing. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, let me bring my co-host in here real fast so we get carried away with something else. All right, Mr. Cloud Nation, what's going on, sir? How you doing? Oh, man, doing pretty good. No complaints. Can you hear me clear? Yeah, I can hear you good and clear. Okay, you know, I, I, I have like a headset on at the same time. That's why I was double checking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, sir, I can hear you. Awesome, awesome. So I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to uh, discuss, you know, in dialogue about a couple of the uh, the topics and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think there's some there's definitely some interesting ones, especially the speech last night. <laughs> oh man, I tell you, when you know, when they say the speech, president's gonna be give a speech. I, I remember when I was a kid, everybody would stop what they were doing and sit and watch the president give the speech. Well, you know, I was what was I doing at the time when the speech was going on? I was somewhere eating, I think, and you know. The, the the speech the the you know the speech came on the television and everybody said turn the channel we don't want to watch that I was like wow <laughs> has our country come to that to where you know watching a president give a speech is just ho hum now <laughs> you know the same old thing just a new face I mean is it that has have we gotten to that now hmm, I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> No, I was just going to say I'm looking forward to to like you know really dissecting and and listening to what um different people's perspective on a on a speech because I finally um really had the chance to to watch it mm-hmm. because uh, when it was when it when it came on live I I forgot what I was doing I know I was working on something some paperwork or something <laughs> and so yeah. this this was the this was the first time I actually had the chance to like really sit there watch. Listen, look at the uh, body language and all that stuff. So, it was it was interesting. It was interesting. Okay. Well, see, you you wrote <laughs> for me. I have the transcript. I didn't get. The, I didn't watch him actually give it. So, maybe you you know you can have some insight on exactly what his body was saying compared to what his mouth was saying. Because I mean, there's some interesting things in here. Like I said, we're gonna talk about it here in a little bit. But let's get the the technicalities out of the way here real fast. All right. 
All right, y'all. So, once again, this is Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk, with my co-host, Cloud Nation, in the house. Uh, if you want to join the conversation today, no problem. Just give us a call, 347-838-8622. You can email me at ericletstalk at gmail.com. And there's the chat room at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Let's Talk. Man, I be getting those things messed up sometimes. <laughs> I confuse me. Uh, but, yeah, those are all the ways you participate on the show, and we look forward to hearing from each and every one of you because we love you like that. We really do. So, you know, call us. Talk to us. We'd be more than happy to hear from you, all right? It's Monday, y'all. Aren't you glad you're here? I bet you are. Hey, you know why you should be glad you're here? Because you're breathing. If you're breathing, you should always be happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. But anyway, just going to get the song of the day out the way. And um, I got one for you. I think it was Mr. Barry White himself, the maestro. And we'll see y'all in about four minutes. Enjoy. We got it together, didn't we? We've definitely got our thing together, don't we? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, it's really, really nice. I can easily feel myself slipping and slipping more and more away. That super world on my own. Nobody but you and me. We've got it together, baby.
<laughs> Let me stop. All right, y'all, welcome back. That was your song of the day, man. Bear the right. <laughs> I can resist that, but I'll tell you. All right, glad to have you back with us. Once again, um, if you want to join the show, give us a call at 347-838-8622. You can email me, ericlesstalk at gmail.com. Uh, join us in our chat room at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Those are all the ways you can, uh, buh, buh, buh. you can participate in the show today. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. All right. So let me check some things out here real fast. 1441, what's up, man? I see. Thank you for joining us in the chat room today. All right. So, let's see, I got my co-host with me today, Mr. Cloud Nation. So, we ready to operate. We show up. We going to do some operating today. All right, so, what is it we going to talk about first? Let's talk about those black ministers meeting with Donald Trump. That's what I want to start off with. Now, you know... <laughs> I'm I'm really interested as to where these pastors came from. Number one, okay, <laughs> and what was the main thought of meeting with Donald Trump? Uh, I I watched a, a little interview when I guess the spokesman for the group was on um, Rowan Martin show, and well, I say so. Why are y'all meeting with Donald Trump? You know, what is he going to bring to the, what does he bring to the table that no one else does? And the guy said, well, he's going to provide jobs for the community. And <laughs> the question went, and so Walmart goes, but how? And only the guy kind of like, well, see, we have, and it, was, it just went on that way for a while. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because, look. Donald Trump is not going to do nothing for us just like nobody else is going to do anything for us. We have to do it ourselves, okay? Now, Donald Trump says that was an endorsement. Okay. Endorsement from who? (laughs) Endorsement from who? You know, uh, Donald Trump is an interesting individual. You know, a lot of individuals uh, say, well, Donald Trump is good because he's saying what most people are saying. Donald Trump is just talking a bunch of junk, like everybody else, political speak. Talking around, making it sound good, and if you dig into it, it's really nothing. That's what he's talking about. And for these pastors to go on there, and say that I, I just found it, I found it hilarious. Then they have to go back to the five hundred one c three. You know that many of the special black churches think they really need to have, and they don't. But with that, the government can tell like, tell you who you can and can't <laughs> politically deal with. You know, and also the, my thought went in my mind, well. You know, take Donald Trump out of it. What has that church done for their community? Well, they are here with Donald Trump, but what have their churches done within their community? 
And I wish Ron would have asked him that question because I, I would really wanted to, to find out what he what he was going to say. Look, black folk, black folk, listen. We have to be careful who we get in bed with. Okay, we haven't learned that lesson yet. We have to be careful. You know, personally, I'm not dealing. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, you got prosperity, prosperity preachers in churches, and they seek political alliances. It's a known fact. Even on a local level, they seek that political alliance because to them, it's all about power. what they consider to be power. But here's a news flash. A black man in power really is not powerful. <laughs> uh, contrary to what anybody may believe, even the great Oprah is only as powerful as the establishment let her be, allows her to be. That's just my view, but believe it or not, that's the way it works. That is. That's the way it works. So for these pastors to get up there and, and, and give this great la 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 about, and then the, the, the press conference, man, <laughs> and it was funny because they're standing up there, and you see more time instead of coming like they have to get in this picture with Donald Trump. And I, I'm sitting back just laughing, like really, really, y'all. It, 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 being in the picture with Donald Trump, that important to you? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know, but, hey, if some feel Donald Trump is the answer, he is the answer. I don't know who he's the answer to. <laughs> but some definitely feels that he is the answer. Honestly, y'all, I don't want none of them clowns in, um, in office. <laughs> I don't. I, I agree with you, 1441. 1441 says Donald Trump is a distraction. His job is to divide the Republican vote. I agree with you. I, I agree 100%. I do. I wish other people would see it that way and leave it alone. But no, they're going to fall right into it. They're going to fall into it. The pastors meeting with Donald Trump. He's saying it's an endorsement. One saying it's not an endorsement. One of the pastors, or I guess the spokesman, says it's not an endorsement. But yet they standing behind him in a, uh, at a speech, a news conference. All of them standing behind him. How can that not be considered an endorsement? Trust me, Donald just didn't go there to go there. All right. Somebody had to pay him some money. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But you're right, 1441. Donald Trump is a distraction. And, yeah, he clears the way for Hillary. You are absolutely correct. You're correct. I, I'm not, I can't argue with that at all, that, that thing at all. I really can't. <laughs> uh, you don't see Hillary meet with any black pastors, do you? <laughs> I don't know about our people sometimes, man. Our people are just 
Make you scratch your head. Make you scratch your head. <laughs> That's all I can say. But anyway, enough about that. I just thought I'd bring that up. Let's talk about the speech last night. Yes. For those who didn't know, President Obama addressed the nation from the Oval Office. Now, you know when the, when the president makes a speech in the from the Oval Office, Man, I'm telling you, that's an important speech. That's a rah-rah speech. That's a speech to let to get us on track, to let us know that we are the powerful, the almighty America, the United States of. Speech last night didn't do that, did it? <laughs> did it make you feel like you were... <sighs> make you feel like... <sighs> no, it didn't. It made you feel like... <sighs> You know, <laughs> that's all I can say. You know, so let's go over the speech the President Obama had last night. Let's see what was the first thing that I found very interesting in the speech. Um, let's see. He said, "We have no evidence that the killers were directed by a terrorist organization overseas." Or that they were part of a broader conspiracy here at home. Okay. We have no evidence of that. Besides a house full of weapons, bomb-making material, and the act itself. But we have no evidence of that, right? Uh, He went on to say, but it is clear that the two of them had gone down the dark path of radicalization, embracing a perverted interpretation of Islam that calls for war against America and the West. They had stockpiled assault weapons, ammunition, and pipe bombs. So this is an act of terrorism designed to kill innocent people. Now, (laughs) up top he says, not a directed by a terrorist organization, but he says this is an act of terrorism, right? Um, a dark path of radicalization, embracing a perverted interpretation of Islam. Sound like a terrorist organization to me. I don't know. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm just shooting in the dark here. But you know what's interesting about that shooting in San Bernardino? It was the woman. And I will tell you why it was interesting. Because for a while, they couldn't find any photographs of this woman. They could not find any. But, <laughs> but, you know, after a couple of days, all of a sudden they got a picture and they flashing it all over the thing. Made it kind of suspicious to me. It really did. It really did. Um, but yeah, you know the president. He went on to say that. Uh, what else did he do? I mean, it was very boring, really. <laughs> For the, you know, he went on to say what we have done, uh, what have you. But he gave out his plan as far as what we we need to do. Well, here's what I want you to know: the threat from terrorism is real, but we will overcome it. We will destroy ISIL. And any other organization that tries to harm us, our success won't depend on tough talk or abandoning our values or giving into fear. 
that's what groups like ISIL are hoping for. Instead, we will prevail by being strong and smart, resilient and relentless, and by drawing upon every aspect of American power. Okay. <laughs> Can I say, okay, that was the president. That's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to draw on every aspect of American power, which is what? What is America's power besides the military? Really? Can't say it's a dollar bill because that's not that powerful anymore. Let's see, what else did we have? I don't know. What what is it? What is what what do we have so powerful besides the military? <laughs> and check this out. Here's how. First, our military will continue to hunt down terrorist plotters in any country where it is necessary. In Iraq and Syria, airstrikes are taking out ISIL leaders, heavy weapons, oil tankers, infrastructure. And since the attacks in Paris, our closest allies, including France, Germany, and the United Kingdom, have ramped up their contributions to our military campaign, which will help us accelerate our effort to destroy ISIS. ISIL. Okay. Yeah, they changed the name again. It's back to ISIL now, okay? <laughs> man, I tell you, it kind of confused me every now and then. But check this out, man. This is this is some good stuff here. Our military will continue to hunt down terrorist plotters in any country where it is necessary. Okay. There's two main places ISIL have. ISIS, ISIL, whatever you're going to control. That's Mosul in Iraq. Okay. And uh there's another one in, in in Syria, I think. Now, here's the thing. If you're doing all that, how do they continue to survive? You know, how how's that happening? You're taking out heavy weapons, oil tankers, infrastructure. Yeah, you're doing all that, so you say. Including, and then our closest allies, including France, Germany, and the United Kingdom. Well, let's be honest. France, Germany, and the United Kingdom didn't become involved until they hit Paris. <laughs> and that's true. They did become involved until they hit terrorism hit Paris. Now, it... You know, France got to get in it now. But I must give France some credit. France did not hesitate when it happened to them, though, did it? They sure didn't. You know, so you ramped up <laughs> ramped up their contributions. Yeah, okay. But don't you find it funny? Every other week they say they'd kill somebody's uh, uh, leadership, and a top leadership, level leadership, leader in the group. Then two weeks later, come back and say it all over again. I know, I know. Well, see, once once one die, they promote the other one. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. The bottom line is this, y'all. 
And I know he's trying not to do it. The president is trying not to do it. But in eventually, in, 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 eventually, there's going to have to be boots on the ground. It, it's going to have to happen. And not the, the 200 here, the 3,000 here, the 5,000 there. No. Now, I, I, I find it quite interesting because um, he's really not, he's really not um, um, trying to do that as far as one of his, his um, promises. But I think it's going to happen. I do. Theodore Roosevelt wrote to a friend in the year 1897 in strict confidence, I should welcome almost any war. I think this country needs war. And, you know, thank you, Cloud. You know what, though? And the interesting part about that statement is I do believe that's the way a lot of uh, the leadership in America feel right now. I was watching one um Retired general, you know how they come on. He was on Fox News, one of those shows, and he said, "Well, this is what we really should do. We should lift the um, the rules of engagement, just eliminate them all, and let them go after anybody and everybody." So I'm gonna, now, okay, for those that don't know what the rules of engagement are, is certain structures and things like that you do not fire upon. If there's chance of, of civilians you, and you can avoid that, you don't fire on it, okay? But it's also a known fact that um, enemies, enemy hides certain things in hospitals, schools, or what have you because they know the, the, the America will go by the rule of engagement. What does General say? Well, just throw it out the window. Lisa Graham said he's going to give the president um, the authority, the authority to do whatever he needs to do. He said that not an hour ago, to do whatever he needs to do to stop ISIL. Now, (laughs) oh, here we go. We're going to do all that. Okay, we're going to... Do that and everything's gonna happen, but then what? There's gonna be look, gonna we're already in another war. So we gonna be warring for a while. I know the president don't wanna admit it, but it's gonna happen. It's inevitable at this point. Um the second thing he says we're gonna do is we will continue to prop uh, we will continue to provide training and equipment to tens of thousands of Iraqi and Syrian forces fighting ISIL on the ground so that we take away their safe havens. In both countries, we'll deploy special operations forces who can accelerate that offensive. We've stepped up the effort since the attacks in Paris, and we'll continue to invest more in approaches that are working on the ground. That's it right there, y'all. We'll continue to invest more in approaches that are working on the ground. Okay, special forces, you know, they work in the shadows. We know this. Okay, they work in the shadows. It's going to take more. Training and and, and equipping? 
the Iraqi and Syrian forces have proven to be a, a, a mistake. Okay, it's a mistake because they don't have balls. I'm just gonna put it out there: they don't have any balls. They don't. And because they don't have any balls, I say don't give them anything for anymore. Because if you look at it, the, hey, hey, I see it's Julie. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because all the equipment that ISIL and ISIS is driving around now is U.S. U.S. government vehicles, military vehicles. That was supplied to the Iraqi Syrian forces for training. And when it got too hot, they ran and abandoned everything. And so now ISIL is driving around in them. But you want to continue to provide equipment to these people? See, once again, been there, done that. But we keep recycling these ideas and the same thing is happening. Nothing. Nothing. But that's what our president wants to do. <laughs> I shouldn't say out. But anyway, third, we're working with friends and allies to stop ISIL's operations, to disrupt plots, cut off their financing, and prevent them from recruiting more fighters. Since the attacks in Paris, we've surged intelligence sharing with our European allies. We're working with Turkey to seal its border with Syria. And we are cooperating with Muslim-majority countries and with our Muslim communities here at home to counter the vicious ideology that ISIL promotes online. (sighs) Well, this is very interesting. Since the attacks in Paris, we've surged intelligence sharing. Without European, why weren't you sharing it with with them in the beginning? Why weren't y'all sharing intelligence before? You know, and, and I, I, you know what? An interesting the guy in last week's shooting, he was already uh, being watched, and, and that kind of really um, says something about the credibility of our, our homeland security, if that's what they want to call it. You know, and, and usually when these things off, you hear later on where, you know, the FBI was watching them. Hey, what's going on? How are you missing all this? How, yeah, how are you missing all this? If you watching someone, how are you missing they doing all this? I don't know. Anyway, the fourth thing the president said in his speech with American leadership, the international community has begun to establish a process and timeline to pursue ceasefires and a political resolution to the Syrian war. Doing so will allow the Syrian people in every country, including our allies, but also countries like Russia, to focus on the common goal of destroying ISIL, a group that threatens us all. (laughs) Don't you like the way they put it? But also countries like Russia. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness Now they want to pursue a ceasefire And a political solution Resolution The Syrian war I thought that's what they were doing the whole time Or they were just fighting Just to be fighting 
still fighting just because, huh? <laughs> they weren't fighting to, to stop fighting. They were just fighting just because. But now everybody's supposed to put your gun, okay, stop, stop, stop. No, that's like playing dodgeball. The ball's going to you running in the middle yelling, stop, time out, time out. And what's going to get happen? What happens? You get pummeled with the ball. Really? That's about as dumb as dumb we get. <clears throat> ceasefire. Those cats ain't doing no ceasefire. Then you have ISIL. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The common goal is ISIL. Yeah. Well, we all know the common goal is to destroy ISIL. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, you know, I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again before I go on to the next thing the president said in his speech last night. It's hard to kill someone that uh, doesn't mind dying. And I think a lot of times the, these people, they forget that. <laughs> they really do. They forget that. These folks don't mind dying for their beliefs. And, you know, honestly, what I'm about to say, somebody goes say, how you can say that, Mr. Talk? Well, I'm going to say it. Let them do whatever they're going to do. Yeah. As long as we keep our hands in this mess, what's going to happen is it's going to stay unbalanced. It's going to stay chaotic. So simple. Withdraw. Get out, period, everything, and let them deal with each other. Oh, I forgot. That's the reason with a lot of oil and stuff, isn't it? Oh, we can't do that. We can't let that all happen like that. But why not? It beats the, the alternative of what's about to happen, more boots on the ground. It does, but it's going to happen. But anyway, um, yeah. So he, you know, he wants to talk about a, a ceasefire political resolution to the Syrian war. That way they can focus on destroying ISIL. Um, <laughs> it's really funny, though, man. And then he goes on to say, this is our strategy to destroy ISIL. It is designed and supported by our military commanders and counterterrorism experts together with 65, 65 countries that have joined an American-led coalition. Let me tell you about these, 16, these 65 countries. 65 countries on paper. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It sounds good in the speech. It sounds good across the news. But in reality, it's only on paper, people. An American-led coalition. Really? Huh? Okay. It's American-led. It's American-led, all right. So is ISIL and ISIS and Al-Qaeda. But anyway, it is what it is, right? And we constantly 
examine our strategy to determine when additional steps are needed to get the job done. That's why I've ordered the Departments of State and Homeland Security to review the visa waiver program under which the female terrorist in San Bernardino originally came to this country. And that's why I would urge high-tech and law enforcement leaders to make it harder for terrorists to use technology and escape from justice. What world is this president living in? <laughs> Look, it's simple, y'all. It's simple. Okay? It's simple. Somebody got mad at what I said. Oh, well. It's simple. You do not, how can I say? You do not circumvent certain acts without help. Okay? And basically what I'm saying, it's an inside job. Okay? That's what I'm saying. It's an inside job. You know, these people aren't just coming in and and just slipping through the cracks. They have help. They do. They have help. Quite interesting. Um, let's see. What else did he go on to say? Here at home, we have to work together to address the challenge. There are several steps that Congress should take right away. To begin with, Congress should act to make sure no one on the no-fly list is able to buy a gun. What could possibly be the argument for allowing a terrorist suspect to buy a semi-automatic weapon? Okay, I got, boy, this is a good one here. Now, you know, you have gun shows all over the country, all over the country, gun shows here and there. Now, so you tell me each vendor is going to have a list of those individuals on the no-fly zone. So the guy come up to buy a weapon, you're going to look up, you don't know no-fly zone. You can't buy a weapon. Yeah, right. And you really expect that to happen. This is a matter of national national security. And really, really, I, <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. But that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they want to do. It's not going to solve anything. It's not going to help anything. They can't even enforce the no-fly zone, no-fly um, list. And some of the names on the no-fly list <laughs> our Homeland Security um, employees. Now, how does that happen? And they working right there in the airport. <laughs> so that that dog right there is not going to hunt at all. At all. It's not. It's not. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all. I'm just saying. Enjoy life. I see you. Thank you for joining us. Okay. So anyway, so be it. That's pretty much the most of the the majority of his speech. Uh, let's see. He had one more thing to say. If Congress believes, as I do, that we are at war with ISIL, now see, there's a mess. We are at war with ISIL. It should go ahead and vote to authorize the continued use of military force against these terrorists. For over a year, I have ordered our military to take thousands of air to take thousands of airstrikes against ISIL targets. I think it's time for Congress to vote to demonstrate that the American people are united and committed to this fight. <laughs> there it is, y'all. There it is. There it is. Mm-mm-mm. There it is right there. 
We going they already said it's war. He already said it's war right there. All right, that's that's the, pretty much the highlights of the speech last night, which was yeah about that one. Of course, you know he talked about Muslims that everybody should be considered you know Muslim, what have you. Uh, hmm. It's interesting. But anyway, I said I got a call on the line, so let me bring them into conversation. Welcome to the show. Who do I have here? Mace. Hey, Mace, how are you? I'm just marvelous as always. Okay, that's good. I'm glad to hear yes. Mm-hmm. Now, can I so, give my thoughts? Sure you can. I know you would. Yeah, okay. yeah, go right ahead. I knew you would. Oh, yes, because everybody thinks differently. And yeah. everybody have different opinions. Okay, so that's I'll right. That would make such a beautiful I, country. That's why I'm wondering <laughs> how many people want. Bo- I wonder how many people want boots on the ground and gonna jump, gonna go volunteer and go for some ignorant stuff that somebody did over here, just like the man that went into the abortion clinic and killed up people, and now they want to just go in to war for this. As so I'm happy that he says no boots on the ground, which that would not be just like the pipelines. And also. He's saying, mm. he's saying the same thing that he said from the day he walked in that office, and he keeps saying it. They want to push and create stuff to put boots on the ground. First thing you hear Monday morning is, well, we shouldn't put boots on the ground. So the ones that think that, I hope they just go on the joint and get to the ground and do whatever they think they need to be doing. And and he didn't go far enough when he was speaking. He should have threw that piece of paper where he had it in his hand and said to these American people, don't go harassing people just because they are Muslims. Just like the man killed the woman in Carolina that lived next door to him, killed the man's wife, because mm. he thought they were something that they wouldn't. And these crazy people that's walking around here making up this mess, see, say something, see something, say something, I'm saying something because I see something, uh, to go and harm people for no reason, trying to put a burkas on people's head and all this unnecessary uh, ignorance that's going on. It's not even, not even uh, necessary to see the things that as American people are trying to do. Because they didn't mm. get educated and lost. It's not making any sense. We went to a war because of a, of a lie and trying to get in and make up another lie to create one to start another one. I'm wondering where the heads of people are. Well, well, uh, Maze, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I disagree with some of it. And the, the president himself in his speech said we are at war. <clears throat> he said it. Now, as far as books on the ground... Um, look, it's simple. Remember when they were sending so many here and so many there and call them special forces or what have you? It, it's to the point now to where it's inevitable. Boots are going to have to hit the ground. I know he hey, was trying. I know he was trying not to do it, but it's going to happen. Now the question is: so. the question is, can is he going to be able to keep? Congress at bay long enough for him to get out of office and let the next president have to deal with it. It's just like when they said about the pipeline. Everything was wrong and everything was this, and they don't have their pipes in the ground to harm people, health and everything else. And so now it keeps coming, and it rolls right around to boots on the ground. Those people have their own land. It's just like he said. That's Those are those people country. Have no business in that in the, in the first place. He well, Whoever or whoever uh, trying to keep the mess going so they can make money, it's not in his in his power to stop them. But uh, people that work with you, you can't trust them. They can be doing stuff behind your back. You come out talking, and then they doing one thing, and then another group doing another. But I care this much: him and Putin going through up there, 
white flag. And everybody gonna be sitting around looking and wondering what happened. Put them together. Say you heard it from me first, okay? Wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. You say him and Putin gonna throw up the white yeah, flag? And Putin. What are you talking about? Yeah, they gonna they gonna they uh, kinda gonna throw up the white flag for him and Putin. And I don't know what they're gonna say then. And the warmongers that uh keep up wars and stuff, maybe the next one come in, like Donald Trump, he ain't saying nothing and all the rest of them that's running, what are they saying? Wait they wanna go fight. Fight for what? Go back, go back. Why would ISIL throw the white flag for Putin and Obama? Because the same group that made them, messed them up and put them in the situation they in, they took stuff from Putin, too. And he's going to get it back. That's what he's working on, getting what was taken from him back. From the administration before. Okay. Uh, hello? Hello? I'm, just, I'm, I'm deciphering what you just you're said. You're looking at a bit... You're busy being indoctrinated by these people telling you what to think, but you're not really looking at the big picture. I understand what the, uh, what the, saying they. Who are they first? Hmm? Let's go break it down. Who is they? They what? You said they took uh, from Putin. Who are they? Yes. The administration they? before this one, before the president, who was in, who was in office? So you're talking about, about the Bush administration. You're talking about the Bush administration. Putin lost his oh. job, didn't he? Who, who, was, who was the reason he lost his job? And then he got it back. Okay. Don't you think he still got enemies from that? Well, I'm sure he does. Okay. Do you think he want to get payback from that? <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, that's where I'm at. No, that doesn't explain the white flag. Well, I guess if they end the war, the flag, white flag will go up. The war, they support, the war that they keep agitating and want to have with their friends, they keep agitating stuff around the surface. Mm. Okay. So if their friends so, can't win, that means they lose, right? Yeah. Okay. But, so we don't but, think the same. And this but, is how I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm trying to ask you, what friends are you talking about? What are you talking about, Maze? Putin had enemies because somebody put him out of office. Okay. Who did it? Okay, you said George Bush did it, so let's somebody. go. Somebody. Okay, somebody, yes. So now he's back in office. Uh huh. Right. So right. don't he owe somebody for doing that to him? <laughs> okay. The, it, it, so, under your scenario, the person that he owes is no longer in office. No, no, no. But his people are still making money. So if he stopped them from making money, like they stopped him from doing it, somebody's gonna lose out. Okay. So, how is Putin supposedly supposed to stop George Bush from making money? Well, if they're not in those land, if they're not in those countries anymore, what can they do with contractors and everything else? What can happen? That's the end of an era. Well, Maze, yeah, I finally got followed your track, and I can tell you that's not going to happen. I'm telling you, it is going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Not gonna <laughs> so you happen. can disagree with me, and I can disagree with you. It's yeah. just like I said, the pipeline wasn't gonna happen. It didn't, and it's what, over. Now what we own something. Else. Are you talking about that they were trying to build between Canada huh? and here? Okay, the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah, the Keystone Pipeline. I told you it was yeah. not gonna happen. Because, well, I, because you know there was a pipeline that were they were trying to do in Russia, and that got uh, thrown to the wayside. Is also. Yeah, but we talk about the one here that we were saying that that was going to happen. 
And then getting with these these people that's running for president, they haven't came up with no solution of what's, what what can be done. They always want to tell the person that's that's there what they gonna they can they gotta do. Gotta call people names. Why you gotta sit up and call people names if that's not in you? Just because they want it done. And then you hear all the crazies repeating after them, which they don't have a thought about doing nothing. And then get with the NRA, uh, rifle, I mean the gun people. Why don't yeah. they just give Obama a plan of what needs to be done about all these weapons that they putting out here? That's who I would like to see come up with a plan, since they always want to just go get rid of people. <laughs> the NRA want to get rid of people? Yes. I want them to come up with a plan. They just want to make money, having Looney Tunes go out and buy guns to harm people that ain't even thinking about them. So why would the in, in, why would the NRA make a plan to get rid of weapons? They own all the politicians, so they, they might well come up with a solution. Okay, Maze, I'm going to ask you a question again. Why would the NRA come up with a plan to get rid of weapons? I didn't say get rid of them. I said come up with a plan to help with what's going on with these loonies that they put these guns in their hand. I didn't say get rid of nothing. Uh, you understand that no matter, see, and I think that's the misperception that everybody is, is going through, you know, uh, is thinking. There is no such plan out there. That's what I'm saying. There is no such plan that they don't want a plan. So because if they did, you wouldn't be walking around with machine guns. Talking about protecting yourself and then walking up and down the street with them, trying to find a crime to commit with them, and then you might just go off one day and just start shooting up people, and then you want to look at somebody else from some other country when you've got crazies over here in your own country. Uh huh. So I'm not understanding. I mean, let's put our crazies aside and look at the other people across the world that we standing on their property and trying to tell them to leave us alone, but you stand, leave their property alone, they will leave you alone. Well, you know, the thing is, the thing is, Maze, lately, lately here when the so-called crazies come out and commit uh, and commit such heinous crimes such as what happened in San Bernardino, they connected back the 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 powers that be connected back to overseas. Well, they're connected at the Fox. Connected what back? I'm not talking about Santa Bernardino. I'm talking about the abortion clinic. He killed up people too, but they act like that didn't even happen. A killing is a killing regardless. If you're on this all and you're over here in America and you with Americans, you kill somebody here, you're still a murderer and you are uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. But see, that doesn't fit the profile. That does not fit the profile of, of fear that they want to want the country to be under. Who profile is supposed to fit? Huh? A terrorist. All of them are terrorists if you go and kill up a bunch of people. They're like the man that killed the, the, the people in Carolina. They're because they was Muslim, he killed them. Killed his wife anyway. They, they lived next door to him all the time. He went and killed them because he thought because she was uh, because they was Muslim people. Mm-hmm. I ain't got no qualm with the, with the people that that uh, and thinking nobody coming to get me. But, but with all these looney tunes on the street, with all these guns, that's what I'm worried about. And then they one said the lady had the lady was six months had a baby six months. I'm quite sure she was breastfeeding. No, why she want to go do this and her baby can't even get unless she did a whole lot of milk for her until the baby turned one. This story don't even sound right. Not to me. It's just like I okay. told you about the last one that I saw. All right, all right, hold on, hold on. So you done jumped all around. What woman breastfeeding and the the woman that supposedly went to help do all this shooting. That story okay. is not panning out. Okay. You talking about, now you're talking about San Bernardino. 
Yeah, I'm talking about San Bernardino. But the same people that was in San Bernardino, we got them walking around here in America that would do the same thing. And we call them terrorists, too. But then it's the definition. It's not the same. But isn't San Bernardino in um, United States, Spain? Yes, it is. Okay. So when the abortion clinic, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Did they have the same kind of weapon? uh, Well, I don't know, Maze. So that's what I'm wondering. Did they? They had the same thought? We'll go harm people. Okay. So they might, they each let each day a little lad add on to the other lad that they done told. So when you tell a lad, you got to keep telling them until you get caught. Okay. And eventually they're going to get caught about this one. Okay. So what is the lie? And then why was the reporters inside the place where they live? Huh? What is the lie they told? About this, what happened in San Bernardino. For all we know, it could have been a disgruntled person that was made with somebody at work. For all we know. And then you got reporters going inside, taking pictures and, and all and all this. I'm saying, like, why are they in this place? Are they messing up an investigation with cameras and touching and putting in the minds of people what they want you to believe? It don't okay. make any sense to me. It's not making sense to you. Now, you, no. are aware, you are aware that this country is the one that trained and equipped ISIL, right? And they're well, driving around. And they're driving around in U.S. military equipment. And a lot of these places, these countries have been friends with them. And a lot of politicians have been friends with some of these people that we see, too. Mm-hmm. Shaking hands, taking pictures, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we can look at that. We can look at that? One minute I'm your friend, and the next minute I'm your enemy. Mm. Okay. All right. So I don't buy the hype. You don't buy the hype? No, I don't. Oh, okay. It's hard for me to do. <laughs> I, 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 I'm to sure it's hard, it's hard for you to do a lot of things, so I'm yeah, saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> since I have you, talk, talk to me about these black ministers meet with Donald Trump. What were your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts about black ministers meet with Donald Trump is you remember when all these churches start closing down after the president won, to be, I mean, became president? Half of them didn't like him. And half of them had nothing good to say about him because they weren't giving out no walk around money. So now uh-huh. Donald is going. He think they thinking that the Republican Party gonna get them to walk around money so they can finish building these mega churches that's been on hold. Now watch them start opening up. Now I'm quite sure you got some down where you live. When I was there for Thanksgiving, I should have rode around in your in your place down in San Antonio. I mean down in in, uh, in Fort Hood while I was there to see was any mega churches being. On standby until somebody else came along and gave him some walk around money. I can tell you that. Damn, there's no. All they're doing is just filling their pockets and they have a bigger church. Because Donald Trump don't care nothing about them at all and none of the rest of them. I agree That's with that. That's what I think about them. Okay. But all I ain't right. going to get mad with Donald. Well, I'm going to get mad with Donald Trump for. I don't know. If anybody I was think... listening, he's really not saying anything if you really listen to him. Well, none of them are really saying anything. <laughs> no, right? I mean, what happened? Can you tell me anything any of them that's running saying that they're gonna do besides put boots on the ground? No, it's a whole lot. Nobody's saying how they're gonna do it, but yeah. you know. But anyway, let me bring uh, Michigan into the conversation. Welcome to the show, Mr. Michigan. How you doing, this, sir? What's going on, bro? How you doing, mate? I'm okay. That's good. Hey, man, yeah. what you uh? Still getting over your hangover from Thanksgiving, man? 
<laughs> Whatever, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever. Uh, hey, I didn't know yeah. I was uh, talking about those black preachers. Which uh-huh. way is correct, you know. But, you know, if you ever ask the question, when you, uh, why, what do the preachers represent that a politician, well, I know what they represent, I want to hear you guys. But, okay, if a preacher does not represent education in the black community, uh, they don't represent um, economic development, you know, they're not bankers, uh, they're really not employers, uh, they don't own any schools, so they're not education. <clears throat> I mean, what what are they experts in that they would be met with as if they have an agenda for black people? What, 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 what are they experts in? Gathering money and sending it to the Congress, <laughs> to the uh, to the to the big convention where they don't even run. Mm. Like Joe Osteen and all them, they got the money. You passing your tags up to them, and you still don't have that in your neighborhood. That's all they're good for. Yeah, so I say, man, you know, uh, to me, man, it, it preaches that it, it's almost like the last council. I hate to say it, but it's almost like the last council in the black community. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, they really are more of a detriment than a help. I, I can make the case for it. So they are anybody they who are disagree with it. They yeah. are no functional thing. I could make a strong case. Yeah. I mean, good grief, man. I mean, and, and they're the last, you know, piece that's taking the little the little bit of money that is organizing the black community and stuffing it in the white folks' hands. I mean, white banks and, like, like May said, you know, tithing up to white organizations. You know, my, my brother's a preacher. And we, we've, uh-huh. we've been in some businesses together. And, you know, he thought, and I, I didn't, he told me that he was sending money to um, uh, w- one of those white mega uh, preachers. See, I cussed him out, and I said, man, I would never put another down. I just couldn't believe he was doing that, man, sending that money up to them white folks. What is that about, man? <laughs> they can't explain okay. it. Can't explain it. They do it every yeah. Monday morning. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. <laughs> well, hey, 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 what what is your pastor sending his money at here? What? My pastor? Yeah. I don't know. My pastor retired. Oh, you don't you no. don't go to church? Huh? Huh? Yeah. So you I don't go, go to church? I go to a church, but that's not my pastor. <laughs> Now, I'm just telling you like it is. <laughs> well, you put money in the plate. Where is he sending it to? Uh, I send my money to the church back home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you said you're you directly to Jesus. You said yeah. you're directly to, G- to God. Yeah, I'm, I'm going directly to Jesus. <laughs> Why don't everybody see where it's going? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ain't going directly to Jesus. Uh, I know where he's getting there. You, you got his address. You got his address. That's right. You want me to call him up? I can call him up right now if you want me to. Yes, please. It's long, uh, it's long distance, ain't it? It's nah, a long it's distance call, ain't it? Oh, it's not long distance. Not at all. Oh, man. 
Shoot, it's, it's shorter than what we talking right now. Whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. you know, you have to. To me, man, huh? though, the, the the black preachers do need to be put on the spot because I I do believe that they you know are more of a detriment. Uh, and, you know, of course, you know, somebody will get on the phone and say, hey, well, my pastor, you know, he, he passes out turkeys for Thanksgiving and, you know, uh, passes out toothbrushes. But we're just talking about in general. I, I, I mean, really do believe that they they become more of a detriment than hell. But in, in reality, um, Michigan, heck, drug dealers pass out turkeys too. <laughs> so I mean, no, no, no. Some of them are in the church. So they preachers. Okay. Money launders and all them kind of people, some of those, or, okay, you know, what did, what did the drug dealer leave? Go to the church, because they, they, they get tax exemptions. They left them there and went to the church. But see, and that's... Most of them that's, years, that's, like, I used to be on the street and I did this. Like, really, I'm not going to sit up in your church with you, because you ain't got nothing to tell me. But, but you know, <laughs> but you know, you see, one of the reasons that, you know, the politician does go to them, because the, the preacher is telling the politician, say, hey, look, my congregation gonna vote the way I tell them, right? Which it doesn't speak very highly of the intellect of people in church, mm. because he he's telling them that he can. I'm gonna get you so many votes out of my church now. Mm. So what are the individuals in the church? What are they voting them based off of, right? If the if the pastor uh, does not have an education plan, he does not have an economic plan, he does not have a social plan. What is he telling those congregations that will make them vote like he say vote? What's the intellect of the people in the church? But Mr. Todd, you remember that man, the Jamal, the one that was speaking out against, they called them pimps or prostitutes, whatever his name. He used to be in the mega church. He right. said he didn't want to be, if he wasn't there for the right reason, he didn't want to be there and he didn't care if they punished him for what he was doing. He's the second one they done did like that. Mm. Well, he could have been on the mega bench and in the gold chairs and everything else too, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to. He wanted to do right. Okay, so there's hope. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting to watch them destroy him. Of course. Um, let me bring co-host in, Clyde. You there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, what you got for me? Uh, the the first thing that stood out is uh, for me personally is that um, you know a lot of people you know, responded to, you know, black pastors meeting with um, Donald Trump as if that was some type of new thing, like 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 black pastors hadn't been meeting with politicians since for a long time. Like, that's, that's been going on. There's nothing new about that. So that that was the first thing that stood out. So, I, you know, I didn't, for me it was just more of the same. It's like, okay, we, we know they do that. It was like, okay. And then, but I think... One of the things that's interesting to me is historically, uh, when you look at uh, from the 1800s to, to about like 1907, a little bit further on than that, uh, specifically when we talk about the rich melanated churches, you had those institutions being used for group economics and uh, a variety of different things using tools like um, what are they mutual aid societies, uh, cooperative projects, and so on, benevolent institutions. So a lot of the things from insurance to de- you know benefits 
after sickness, health care, education, a lot of those different things, even job creation, uh, that's what they were, they were engines to produce that at that time. You fast forward to current day, and I, I got to agree with guest 1441 when he talked about them being facilitators of social conditions uh, because, uh, you know, Michigan hit it on the head when he talked about uh, them, the pastors really being more of a, uh, a disturbance and a distraction and a hindrance to our communities than a help uh, because I, I think it's, it's a lot of studies um, that's being done right now, and you know, you do even if you didn't use research. Let's let's not even put research in here. We we could just look at just experiences in, in a variety of different churches. And if you look at the amount of relationships and families that have been hindered because of individuals and families listening to unqualified professionals that are considered pastors to to discuss things like psychology, you know, or financial issues within the household, you know, money management, you know, without a financial background or talking, discussing uh, the relationship issues, they, you know, without counseling backgrounds. So, you know, you, you have these people who um, they, op- they, they operate in a variety of different, they wear a lot of hats, a lot of hats that people have to get these credentials from schools and so on in order to practice you know, they have to have these certificates. They have to have these accolades in order to practice as counselors, as as um, bankers, and so on. But then you go to the pastor, and the pastor wears all these hats, and many of them haven't even, you know, made it out of high school. Now, I'm not, I'm not just lording over the whole academic component. I'm just saying you have a lot of unqualified people, you know, wearing the hats of professionals who are qualified, and using that as a hindrance to those households in whom they, they counsel in all these matters, financial matters, relationship matters, and so on. And um, we, I, I looked at some, some stats, and we know that, you know, just in the Americas, in the U.S., the rich melanated churches are probably, they have to be between number three to number five as far as, um, Owners of real estate, you know, because you know who owns most, who has most of the buildings in your neighborhoods. Wherever the neighborhoods are the most disenfranchised, dis, wherever there's the most divestment, you're going to see a whole bunch of churches. Which, and these churches aren't being used for anything other than uh, the personal uh, use of that of that pastor. And so you don't see any programs, you don't see any educational advancement, you don't see any economic advancement, you see these 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 buildings that take away a lot of taxpayer money and they occupy a lot of space that could be used for a lot of different a lot of other things. And so I, I agree with it. I I think that it is more of a hindrance than a help because you got so many of these buildings occupying the space and they they don't contribute anything. They don't bring value at all to those neighborhoods, the majority. You know, I'm not saying the one or two or three that might do a little bit, and that's about is it. Well, that's as far as it goes. Is a little bit. But Cloud, these mega churches, yeah. these people tie big time. Where do you think that money go after they leave that church on on, on a Monday morning or whenever they deposit? What do you think it goes into a fund for the community? 
or a fund for help to 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 take care of other people. I mean, I'm not even speaking just on a on the mega churches because mega churches are the exception as far as how many mega churches that actually exist. I'm not mm-hmm. even just I'm not just I'm not limiting limited into to the mega churches. That's they're they're their own entity right by themselves. The majority are these little small hole in the wall churches, you know, no shade <laughs> that that have like a handful of members and they're baking off of those individuals. And like I said, you got a whole bunch of unqualified individuals who have free reign in the lives of all these families. And they're speaking predominantly to the women because that's who is the majority in these churches. And they're, they're putting a lot of ideologies into their heads, and it's impacting the households. It's influencing the households. Uh, it's influencing the lives of those children that are being brought up in those in those households. And it's becoming a hindrance because these these individuals, you know, these institutions aren't bringing anything. They're not adding any value. That they're becoming a hindrance and they're taking away from the from those communities. So, so they don't, add, you know, they don't add no, add any value. That's what I'm saying. They take away tax tax money, and they just occupy space. They're not doing anything. You're not you're not providing uh, educational or academic advancement. You're not enhancing the economic value of the neighborhood. You, you're doing nothing. But you, if anything, you decreasing the value of the neighborhood because if you notice, more affluent communities don't have a lot of churches or religious institutions in the neighborhood. They have a, they have some, but it's nowhere near what you'll see in those neighborhoods that are divested. Those neighborhoods that have that are pretty much on the low scale of the total pole when you com- when you compare them to other communities as far as the resources and things in those neighborhoods. You you see a, a drastic difference between those that have a high level of occupancy of churches versus those that don't. Those that don't are always the influent, the ones that have more money, more resources in the neighborhood. I mean, that's clear. That That's facts. You could just walk around the street and see that, drive down blocks to blocks and, and notice a difference. If you go to a neighborhood and it's doing well, you know there aren't a lot of religious institutions in that neighborhood. It's, it's that simple. But I'm wondering out of those 100, could they tell you where their money go when they deposit it? If y'all ever get to talk but to one of them, I they, hope uh, I get to talk to one of them. Your question, you mate. <laughs> yeah, they, they answer your question, mate. There's uh, been studies done on that as well. And on Monday mornings, uh, 99% of all of those dollars collected are deposited into uh, white institutions. And then, in fact, those institutions who we already know redline, they those those funds are then lent back out into you know uh, European communities, European and from Africa and things of that nature. Yep, two hundred billion dollars. Yeah, and when you know, I mean, it should be a red flag when you can when you probably got as many churches as you as you have liquor stores in the community. That alone should be a red flag. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> you know that's 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 interesting, and yeah, it's the truth though. It's the truth, and the bad part: you ride through some neighborhoods, you see three or four churches, and you're like, "Really? All these churches?" Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm gonna I'm tell you, man. The, the and and what I call them, you know, they're they're basically sole proprietorships, even though they have a board of deacons. But most churches are sole proprietorships. The pastor makes all the decisions. Uh, uh, you know, of course, if he gets too out of whack, the the deacons will fire him. 
but for the most part, they're sole proprietorship. Uh, there was a there was once a statement saying that the reason you have so many uh, uh, churches because it's the easiest profession for an uneducated black man. Um, and so it's tax free, uh, like like Cloud said, it's tax free. Uh, none of the churches are paying any taxes back into the community, which then could be used for recreation, economic <laughs> development. Uh, I mean, th- th- these are just matters of fact, you know. Yeah, but but the, the people that do. The one that do bring things like that, they get punished for doing it. What you, what yeah. you mean by punish? Uh, they get black red land or whatever you want to call it, pushed to the side. Oh, you know, oh, getting saying, like you said, they get rid they, of them. They get blackballed or what have you. Mhm. They have black blackball system too, just like everybody else. Well, of course they do. Yeah, just like I said, Jamal, whatever his name is. I'm just waiting for them to destroy him because he don't want to go the way that they want to go. Who is Jamal again? The one that's out of Baltimore. That one. Uh, yeah, that you're a little young brother. Young brother mm-hmm. is uh, I was real big in the NAACP. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a clown too, though, but I understand. He, he's a clown. Yes, he's a clown, but, but he is telling yeah, them why he don't want to take what happened and how he wanted to do things. And they don't want him that way, so they don't push him to the side. Well, I, I would suggest to me, if a pastor is, uh, is, is about community development, one one of the things that he probably should do is one is uh, really acquire some type of skill uh, that is we can directly tie to community development. Um, the, we we can't say that if the churches disappeared, the black community would go deeper in the hole. There's just nothing that we can say that would prove that. No, me. they won't. Uh, yeah, and so I, so I we do take believe care that money would. Yeah, and blacks and blacks would they would they would they would begin to look more to self for their solutions. Uh, they then would begin to ponder and question religion, uh, which I think is a good thing. So I mean, I just you know I don't see no scenario where if they were gone, uh, that the black community would go in any more negative direction than it's going. So you know. No, it was a point that they went to meet with Donald Trump to to discuss nothing because they didn't discuss nothing, not to me. What the conversation that they had They just went to show For people to ask Well where are you doing With the money we're giving you And why are you meeting With Donald Trump And what did you get out of it You had Well one of them was a Republican I know why he was there To lead mm-hmm. the other way First it was 300 From when the president Was running with 300 Now it went down to 100 300 black preachers you, you remember, Y'all remember that When it was the 300 black preachers Now it's the 100 Went to meet Donald Trump Okay. But I'm talking about all of that tithe and money. If they put the tithe and money back in this community, it could build a mega community. Things that people need and want with their own money. But you pay that 10% every Sunday, or once a month, some do, or whatever, and then if you get sick or something, you can't even get none of it back just because you went there and did it all them years. And then you got to get paid to bury yourself, and now they got people got to pay to have a funeral inside the church. And if you got a lot on, if you don't have a lot, you go to the church. You got to pay to bury yourself on the ground that you don't pay for. So I'm saying, I like, uh, this is the strangest thing I ever seen. And then when you got churches that make big money on a Sunday, more than the other churches, and and, and you the head person that's making all this money, but it's taking care of other people. Sometimes you got to sit down and wonder, but they're not taking put no focus on that. Is it like they were talking about Black Friday? They didn't make the money that they thought they were gonna make. Churches the same way. Well, I, I I think another another point another point is that the I think that the black community 
uh, the black churches in the black community also is in place to to quell any uh, warrior type uh, spirit, particularly within the male uh, part of the community. Uh, if you notice, whenever there's some unrest, uh, or you know, you feel like men are ready to try to do something, even if they're misguided a little bit, they always send the pastors out to uh, throw water on the fire. So, mm, to be I mean, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's it's just so many avenues you can look at to say, you know, what what is this institution doing in this community uh, at this particular well, Miss, time? Mr. Michigan, if they didn't have yeah. a three months, you will see a whole big change. <laughs> three months, just take three yeah, months and don't yeah, do it. True. Everybody that go inside of them, they'll be some well, our lights well, can't come on. It's not about the lights and all that. It's about something else. Yeah, but they've developed the spirit. They've developed the spirit of fear so much in the black community that. Uh, they would they would begin to tithe out of fear, and that's that's another. Oh, um, really? Okay. That's another one. Uh, the spirit of fear, I think that that ideology comes directly uh, out of the church. Whoa. Just fear in general. Yeah, that's, that comes but out you, of the church. Please expound on that a little bit, there, Michigan. Yeah. Well, if you if you notice, if you ask most people who joined church. Uh, that would be even when I was introduced to church. Uh, most of them will tell you that they they would they joined out of a couple of fears. One, uh, of, and the main one was a fear of going to hell. Okay. Uh, that really yeah, hell. Yeah. <laughs> right on earth. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, and so along with that comes the fear of death. Uh, and so I believe that, you know, you know they say fear is fear is fear is fear. So it just it creeps over into other areas uh, within a person's uh, uh, psyche and personality and character. And the fear of going to hell and the fear of death will certainly cause people not to uh, want to uh, 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 lay down their lives, you know, for a particular cause. Hmm. But, Mr. I have a question when he said hell. Because the reason why I said that is because, when people die, they say they went to heaven. I said, so if they died and went to heaven, they must have been already in hell. So what do you think about that? I have no thoughts on that, May. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's why I call it, this must be hell yeah, from here on. I have no thoughts on that. <laughs> they got to go, well, to go to heaven, so they had to well, tell that's you, you know, what, but without getting into a religious discussion, well, we're already in one, but yeah, uh, just adding a little bit what a, a Cloud was saying about when you look at the history uh, of the black church now, which is very key to tell you the nature and the character of the church uh, back within that time frame that he talked about. But I think even if you go before that, remember now, uh, black folk were forced uh, into adopting a religion. Mm-hmm. And from being forced to adopt that religion, uh, then when when they were allowed to congregate, uh, right, so this is where you get the congregation of black people around their religion. But remember, uh, the freedom fighters uh, were the individuals who used that time to uh, develop uh, revolutionary strategies, economic strategies, uh, uh, insur- insurrections, uh, killing of the slave master. So. Uh, so while the, the 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 white man, when he gave blacks the religion, thought he was uh, using that to hold a, get a hold to black folk, uh, 
originally black folk used that religion against them. They used that time to develop, uh, even used, they even developed a lot of the hymns, uh, Negro hymns, uh, have a lot to do with uh, uh, strategies and, and, and codes and symbols uh, to, to, uh, yeah, to uh, put together slave revolt. Right, so then true. you move, you, yeah, you move, you move out of that era, right? Uh, then you moved into a more softer era where you did. It was more so of a, 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 a black organizing for black community, and 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 Cloud is absolutely correct. Uh, then the church moved into the those were the individuals who started your banks. Uh, uh, in most cases, because whites wouldn't allow you at their banks, uh, restaurants, insurance companies. Uh, he, he's absolutely right. Death benefits and things of that nature. So it, it 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 was used as an economic tool after it moved from being a liberation tool to an economic tool. And now I think it's used as a sole proprietorship of business. And 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 there's a there's a brother who made the statement. He said any liberation movement, and I've said this on the show before. And this the church fits this model to a T. Mm-hmm. Uh, any liberation movement that is 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 put together behind enemy lines, if it's allowed to, if it's not destroyed, it'll turn into a business, uh, and then it'll turn into a racket. Mm-hmm. Any liberation movement that started out for the liberation of the people, if it's allowed to to survive behind enemy lines, and certainly white folk have never entertained doing away with the black church. Never. That's mm-hmm. another key. They've never... <laughs> You would never hear the white community saying, we want to do away with the black church. So it moved from a liberation movement uh, then to a business, right? And now it's a damn racket. Hmm. Now it's a racket. The most segregated, I was doing the Sunday morning church, but not the money. The people are about the money, not. The people, huh? Say that again. I said the people are segregated, but their money is not. Because once you leave out that door, it goes into the hands of someone yeah, else. So I, I don't want you to. I don't want you to take this information, uh, Mister Talk, and go crack your uh, pastor's head Sunday morning. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Mister Minute, like Michigan, you're not telling me anything I don't already know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I grew look. I grew up in a family full of pastors and, and preachers. Okay. So <laughs> I I've seen it. You know, I've seen, right. I've seen the band, so yeah, you're not telling me nothing I don't already know. Okay, I've I've seen it where ministers brought running for office into the church to speak to the church. Yeah, you know? and I would so, get up and leave. You know, and never go back. I've seen that, so yeah. I I've sent something in the email said the feudal feudal system comparison. Um, it says Europe has a pope. What is it? A religious leader? Japan. Has a is an emperor. Oh, this is interesting. Nice, huh? The feudal system, F E U D A L system comparison. That's interesting. The Pope, the monarch, nobles, knights, merchants, craftsmen, peasants. I think I've seen that already. Okay, here's a question. Here's a question. Um, is the problem that ministers are pimping for the politicians to get votes, or is the problem that the people have not realized that voting ain't going to save their behind. Anybody want to answer? I think both. I think both of those are correct. I think that both. <laughs> both of them are correct. <laughs> yeah, both of them are correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. 
And another one says the church money goes to the World Council of Churches every Monday morning, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the Vatican. <laughs> the Vatican. You got with the Vatican. Did you know the Vatican has their own police? They got their own everything. Yep. Yeah, I was yeah, like, wow. Now they have their own little thing. Okay. Yep. But, <laughs> you know, it is interesting that I thought they would do that. You know, and, and you, when you really look at it, I guess it's par for course. It's par for the course. You know, they figure, you know, to get the names in light or something, uh, you know, mentioned on the news. and But, you know, but I watched this one minister, and he was the funny, the craziest thing. I watched him with on a Warren Martin show. And mm-hmm. so what is, you know, what is Donald Trump going to do? And all the guy says, well, he's going to bring jobs to the neighborhood, to the community. And then was well, how? Right. Well, he's yeah. going to bring jobs to the community, you know, and we have, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> he he the fast you know, talk like the fast talk to everyone else, huh? Go ahead. Well, you know, if you think about it, now think about this. If, if, if there's an individual within the black community uh, who should be the fearless uh, as it relates to political backlash, it, it, it seems like it would be the pastor. One, because his money comes directly from the people. So the European couldn't necessarily uh, chop that head off. So if you want to look at it from that perspective, uh, you know, they should be the main people showing leadership because, hey, the people are feeding you, you know. In other words, most of them are not working corporate jobs, uh, so they could speak out uh, without, you know, for fear of getting fired. From some white corporation, um, I mean, you know, but you know, the, what the pastor does to the individual, and now what religion does is it keeps the it's a, it's a it's it's called a, a consciousness block, right? And it keeps people's uh, consciousness away from uh, the realities on the ground because their head is in the clouds. So mm. it, it, they, it, they they're really not grounded uh, in the in the uh, Reality as it relates to what's going on in the world, because mm. they want, in other words, they want to skip over reality, and, and so the end all to be all is to make it in heaven. So now, the on the ground life struggle is not engaging deeply in the politics, education, and things of that nature. It's more so geared toward what do I need to do to, today so that when the world ends, I'll make it to heaven. Mm. <laughs> Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, you know one of the things that always that was always uh, curious to me regarding uh, you know current just church some of the churches is um, a lot of them have own facilities. You know they either own buildings or they're trying to acquire a building. And, and what I find what always intrigues me is that. You'll have organizations trying to build, whether they say they want to build, a, um, like in Chicago, you got this guy that wants to build a um, a community center, so to speak. And this particular church is a pretty big one in this case. And so he has, he already has a pretty large church. 
and yet he's trying to build a community center, but with the facility that he owns, mm-hmm. like like Michigan was saying at first, the facility doesn't offer it doesn't offer anything there. There's no no vac, no vocational trades. There's no um, um, intentional um, strategies to create some type of economic engine. You know, pooling together resources to develop skill set and to, to focus on a specific area uh, to thrive in economically, it, it, you know, there's not, none, of, none of those things are happening with the facility that they already have. And so I, I'm always amazed by and intrigued by the, the fact that they'll have a building or work to acquire a building, and once they get a building, then they want to get another building. They want to get a building for the building that they have, and then they want to get another building for the building that they have building. So they can have buildings for the other buildings, buildings. And well, so, I, 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 so how we get to the mega church level? So it, it, it's it's the weirdest it's the weirdest thing to me uh, because it's like, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I, I've had some discussions with some pastors before about using their their facilities and their resources, membership, access, social capital, human capital, and so on to. In, to utilize that and build up economic education, all these political, all these areas to target that and use that as leverage and as an advantage for that particular church. I even question having using a building as just a church because when you use that, why not have the church, why not the church rent a space in the facility and let the facility be something else, like a mall or, or anything that produce, that's, that can be an economic and, engine? That way, that way you, can, you can have jobs for people and create, and create jobs for people, and then you can, and you can have your service on whatever day but not make the building the main, the main building a, a religious facility, so to speak. Well, and you, can, well, you have to depend on people getting money. Yeah. And they look at you like you're an alien because me, you have a plan. Yeah, let me add a, a story on to that. And, Claude, yeah, uh, you, you remember a few years ago when the the uh, teachers were on strike in Chicago about two years ago? That was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I was on a I was on a radio program with the uh, superintendent or the uh, president of the uh, uh, teachers' union, which happened to be I think it was a black woman. I, I'm not for sure of a title, but she was she was way up there. But anyway, so we was going back and forth, and I said, "Let me show you a way where you all can get all of your all demand." I said, "You have probably eight to nine hundred churches in Chicago." I said, "You all." I said, "Ninety-eight percent of all of the teachers in the public school system in Chicago are white anyway, right?" Mm. I said, "So what you black teachers ought to do." It's organized and go meet with the pastors, uh, devise a plan to say, hey, we're on strike, but we're not going to keep the kids from learning. We're going to have the pastors open up the facilities. Most of them got kitchens in them. Uh, most of, the, most of the, the churches have church buses. I said, you all go and meet with the black pastors and say, we're going to open up these doors. Uh, since we can't get what we want through the public school system, we're going to open up these doors. At least we can have the children learning and things of that nature. You know, after that show, two days later, uh, they gave all they gave the teachers what they wanted to, you know. And so, this is what Cloud is saying: you those facilities 
you know, you got enough of them, you could house all of those children. You could teach them right in those churches. Those yeah, should like be your teach education. Huh? Like they teach Sunday and, school uh, every Sunday. Yeah. And so a day or two after that, <laughs> whoever was listening to that show, they killed that because they, they gave up the teachers exactly what they wanted so they could go back to the public school. Yeah, this was on a radio show, <laughs> on Blog Talk. So I mean, yeah. Well, the way out is the, is the best way out to do it that way, but nope, you got the preachers that got to meet with people like well, that. Well, I, I, I know I know <laughs> of a, a church where, where I am that has done that to where they have the church and they got a little mall next door. They have mm-hmm. bowling alley, clothing store, a restaurant yeah. in there. You know, so they, they're actually doing it. And it's a good yeah. thing. I'm real good in there, yeah. too. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, I respect pastors like that. I'm going to tell you, it was one, you know, it was one pastor. In, 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 in our community, any any move we tried to make politically, the first people we had to fight really wasn't white folk. It was black preachers. I mean, we yeah. had to go to war with the black preachers first, you know. But it was one, and so I, I have learned to, I've, I've come to respect preachers who, who, who really do uh, put a lot of attention on economic development. I do respect uh, black preachers who do that more than I do the other one. Mhm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We lost Mays. Well, she'll come back in here shortly. Um, I agree with you one hundred percent. But the, you know, you, you know the problem with that though, Michigan. Yeah. And I was thinking about it as you was talking. And here's where the problem is: because when they start wanting to expand, okay, then you you know depending on how the area is zoned, you got to go and see the man to have your your thing rezoned. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now so now you uh you've been in you you've been in city council, you know how it works. You know, like uh yeah. Well, you know, what what's in it for me? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can get it zoned right for you, but what is what's in it for me? You know? Well, we, well I, I don't even I don't even necessarily have a problem with, with, with that, uh Mr. Talk. You don't? Um uh, well, I mean, uh-huh. but let me hear me out though, because I, I but okay. I don't, I don't necessarily think it, 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 it helps things, but I don't necessarily have a problem with that. If in fact, uh, you're talking about black economics, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in black communities, if those churches are in black communities, if in fact the pastor is doing what's right by the people, he, he really doesn't get shut down uh, or the likelihood of him getting shut down is, is, is kind of slim. Because, you know, he's respected, you know, and he can expose people for trying to shake him down. So a lot of pastors that do get shut down are pastors who are basically uh, sole proprietors, right? Uh, They fit in that category of of building a facility to build a bigger 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 facility. So they're not really respected in the communities, and and you're right, they do get shut down, but uh, you know, like I said, if, if they're respected in the community, uh, they they won't have a problem interfacing with the uh, with the politician. Something done. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah, Good stuff. stuff. Cloud, got anything else? Okay. Uh, only thing. Only thing I was gonna say. Only thing is that I was gonna say is it it wasn't like an assault on on like black pay on pastors who actually do something you know you got people who you got the exception to the rule you got people who may be respected who may actually say hey i want 
I, I recognize the same issues that that that's being expressed today on the show, and so my way of of doing this to actually do what we should be doing in the first place is actually getting stuff done. And so for for people who do that, who actually have the programs, who actually are trying to do stuff, I agree with Michigan. You you can't stop those those individuals. Their influence is going to outweigh any any criticism. I think a good example of that is Jeremiah Wright in Chicago is is a good example to an extent, you know, because he has his you know everybody got their their choirs, but to an extent I say right. him because <laughs> he has he has invested in in his in the area and where his church is in many ways, and so he still has a lot of reverence. And, with some people, you know, he still has a lot of respect with with certain individuals. I wouldn't call him the the prototype of what of what we're suggesting because there's still some things that he, somebody with his influence could have done and, and still could do uh, to move stuff forward, you know, uh, and, and a lot a lot further than it is. So so like you know, people who really really want, I feel like if, if people who really look out for their people's best interests. And they have their people's best interests in mind. Will already will do this, do these things anyway, because because they'll never see themselves as like uh, this person on a pedestal. As some people seem to thrive off of when they do take on these positions, they kind of become, you know, they kind of feed into the hype, so to speak. But you know, you got other people who their whole purpose of doing this was because of them not being able to, you know. Influence people any other way. So I, I've I've heard of people who who became pastors solely so that they could not a lot, but 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 took on that role specifically because of the influence that came with it, not so much because they really cared about building buildings and none of that stuff, but because that was the only channel, so to speak, that people would listen in their community to what they had to say. They knew that was the that was the method, the way they could to get in front of people and they actually listen to what they got to say. Unfortunately, that was their perspective. So, so I, I think I think when when people are really using it in the right way, it it could be useful, you know, from that from that sense. But I, but in the majority of what I what I've witnessed and what I see, I just don't see it adding value present day. I, I just don't see it. Okay, Major, you back with us. Hello. Anybody there? Hello. Hello. Oh, anybody there? Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. I'll yeah, let yeah, you I can hear you. <laughs> it got mighty quiet. What in the world? <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna cut the show a little short today. Because I have an engagement, I need to hit it later on. So we're gonna let y'all gonna get your last words in now. Uh, triple one, triple one, are you there? Triple one, going once. Triple one, going twice. Okay, triple one out. All right, Michigan, you have the floor. Go for it. Oh, not much, bro. Hey, good show, man. Good show. Good here for Flower, man. It's good to hear young people, man, being strong still, man, and kind of staying focused. So, uh, big ups to you, bro. Uh, this show. That's all I got to say. All right. Thanks. You have a good one. Yeah. yeah. Cloud, you're next. Again, yeah, I just have to uh, agree, man. It was a great show. 
look forward to dialoguing again when we we're coming back with Friday. Friday, yeah, we'll be back Friday. Okay, yeah. so and everybody uh-huh. enjoy the rest of their week then. <laughs> <laughs> True that. All right. Once again, uh, thank you all for joining us. fun. It's been fun. Uh, interesting conversation about black church.
This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.